0: Let's pray together, God, today in this service. uh, We've made much of You because You are worthy of being made much of. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of the reminder that we have in our lives that we would bless You, the Lord our God. We have made much of You in the reality of the, the lives of these students that You have um, by Your grace and in Your mercy shared Your Holy Spirit that they would come to a place of knowing but also believing and trusting in You. <laughs> we come uh, to review the Gospel. You are living hope and then to just simply give You praise. May out of the abundance Of that, God, we now come and and ask for your blessing, your care, and your nurture. As we recognize how indeed huge and great you are, we then trust you for the very things of our lives. And so, where there are people in our lives that um, suffer, hurt, well, maybe even this morning there's a reality of suffering and hurting here this morning. we now surrender that to You who are great and always sufficient to not only hear our prayers, but attend to them. So uh, those in our lives or those who are here this morning who struggle in one way or the other, God, we pray indeed Your mercy, Your grace to move into their lives, whether that be in physical ways or emotional ways or in spiritual ways. God, we are reminded often, of the reality of the brokenness of this world, certainly in the days of COVID. And we again come today and we grieve with those who grieve. We grieve with Kathy Wilster in the loss of her nephew uh, to COVID. God, for that family, your embrace, your love, your solace, your comfort, to many, God, that maybe we know in this place today, God, that same attending grace. God, we, we also pray for those who are struck in the place of vulnerability uh, of the virus as well. Today, uh, I think of Chuck Brooks who awaits open-heart surgery and just your protection upon he and Connie as they await that day and certainly for your healing touch in the midst of that surgery. God, I pray for Dick Herman this morning, a former pastor of the life of this church, as he approaches uh, shoulder replacement surgery. God, your protection of him and and those who are close to him, God, uh, from the virus and yet again healing in this process. God, many whom we know that walk in these times in which they need your hand to heal and protect and to love on them. God, those are things that are close to home. We also recognize as we watch the news that there are things around the world that we Uh, as your believers, as your church, need to pray for. So we pray for Beirut this morning. God, for those who grieve today in the loss of life, those who are um, on the verge of holding on to life, those who have been injured, those who have lost homes. God, just for the infrastructure of Lebanon, God, we pray over them. This would be a time, though it be a tragedy, that you would... Uh, rise up by your church there, by the missionaries who serve there. God, we would pray for the Hope Center, which is an EPC preschool that is uh, very near to the epicenter of that explosion that was destroyed in that explosion. God, we pray um, over that ministry that you would rebuild it, and even now, even without a building, that, God, there would be a sense of your presence in these people that uh, those who are lost, uh, those who are affected, would turn to for that living hope. God, so much in our lives, in our world, and we pray and lift them to you. And even now, we would pray for ourselves that as we approach your word that our eyes would be opened, our hearts would be enlightened to the reality of what you have to teach us today in this text. For your glory, as indeed you work for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Listen, I am so excited about this text, not that I don't get excited about other texts, but I am so excited about this text this morning, not necessarily about the sermon, because that's kind of me, but the reality of what God has to say in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, which is where we're headed. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you might uh, turn there or on your electronic devices if you're... Just joining us this morning. We've been walking through the book of Acts, uh, the first eight chapters up until Christmas, um, and uh, we've been doing that since June, and we're finally getting to chapter three, right? But uh, let me review really quickly uh, with some W words how we've gotten to where we are. Uh, In Acts chapter one, there was the whoop of the ascension, ascension, right? Christ uh, resurrected from the dead has uh, risen uh, miraculously uh, into the skies and, and has left this. Uh, uh, amazing call upon those whom he's left as his disciples but the whoop of the ascension there was the wow of pentecost right so as christ was ascended came the holy spirit did all kinds of things like flames on their heads and tongues of many nations and all kinds of crazy stuff and then there was the wham of peter's sermon because out of that they're going like what the heck is going on peter says let me tell you Uh, And he gives this amazing sermon to which there is this revival call and 3,000 people get saved. That's just astounding. Which then leads us to three weeks in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 in the what of the church. Because the church is described in those verses. It causes us to go, man, what is going on? So we took three weeks to talk about the reality of of, uh, uh, being a loving church, being a learning church, and being a worshiping church. Uh, as the church was in Acts chapter 2. And finally, we've come to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. This is an amazing story. You ready? Yeah. All, all, I can hardly stand your enthusiasm, right? Hey, here we go. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now, and so after all of this, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, it's time for prayer, here come Peter and John. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He's looking for some dough, right? Somebody put something in my basket. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said... Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold. Bummer. But what I do have, I give to you. You ready for this? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took this lame man by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately... What's it say? It says, immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong. And... You ready? Because right? you've you got to see the image, right? And, and, and leaping, he got up. Right? So, lame can't walk. Leaping, he got up. And then... Oh, I'm going to get away from the text. Leaping up, he stood, and he began to walk. And he entered the temple with him. How? Walking. And leaping... And praising God, right? Can't walk, can't stand. Now walking and leaping and praising God all the way into the temple. And all the people saw him and went, oh, oh, just another healing. No, that's not what they did. They saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. At what had happened to him, I feel like we should just have an altar call now, right, and do it. But let me explain a bit more about the reality of this text. Now, you, you have to understand: as a preacher comes to this text, uh, there are at least fifteen sermons to preach out of here, right? Um, my, I'm a whiteboard guy. In case you don't know, my whiteboards were filled with random thoughts of where today could go. So much so that at one point I went man, God, I, I, I'm only given this one shot, right? You've got to help me to know what it is that you are saying. And one of the things that we're taught in seminary, Jeff, you'll get this, right? I, you already got this. But the reality is, is you, you look at who's writing it, who's he writing it to, why is he writing it? And usually in that, we can place upon this the purpose and the meaning of the text, right? So we haven't done this in a while, but I, I know you're good at it, right? So who, who wrote the book of Acts? okay it's on the screen not making it hard for you who wrote the book of acts and who did he write it to theophilus and through theophilus to gentiles right so luke is a gentile writing to an affluent and influential gentile his name was theophilus in order that lots of gentiles would hear this story right and why did he write it season day, carpe diem right like he's telling the gentiles of the first century listen man all this is happening we got to seize this moment which is why we've entered into acts 1-8 because the world's like going haywire right and 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 the message has been in the midst of haywire church we should seize this day that's exactly what they're doing in acts and there's a, a key verse right uh, Acts 1.8 that we saw that, that lays out the foundation and the purpose uh, of all of the book of Acts. And you have it memorized, but now that uh, you have it memorized, I'll put it on the screen. Let's say it together, right? Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hear the will in that, right? You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. And we need to understand that as we come to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So my message went from 15 sermons to one sermon with two points. How many are you in favor of one sermon with two points over 15 sermons in this text? That's good. The hands are appreciated. I love your humbleness. Right? So so here we, we go. Here's the question. Why would a Gentile believer who is speaking to a bunch of Gentiles probably believers and unbelievers, about seizing the day and being a witness to the world, tell this story 30 years or so after it happened. Well, I think there's two things that are happening here. First is this. He wants to share the message of hope to the broken. He wants to share a message of hope to the broken. Would you consider who this guy is that is lame? Uh, We are told in the text that he had been lame from birth. And if we cross-reference that to chapter 4, verse 22, those of you that still have your Bibles open or your places on, somebody tell me in 4.22, how long has that been? Loud? More than 40 years, right? So 4.22 tells us that this guy is more than 40 years old. So Forty years, this man has been lame. So for a portion of that, they have brought him and laid him at the temple in order to receive alms. He is physically broken. And as a result, there is a great chance that this man is emotionally broken as well. Listen, the fact that, that others carry him to the temple gate indicates that it is likely that he's being used for the financial gain of others. Uh, He essentially has an agent, right? Those who will carry him, because he can't get there himself, will get a cut of the pie with regard to what he collects in his almsgiving. So he's being taken advantage of because of his brokenness. He's left to a life of begging. It's a a desperate place. It's really, in his mind, the only thing that he can do. And it is often, listen, the place of begging is often a place of rejection. Many people have walked by this man and not given him one iota of attention. Maybe at best it's a place of getting people's leftovers. And maybe at best getting their looks of pity. You have to begin to imagine emotionally that this is a life of a great deal of shame. I'm struck by the fact that Peter and John say to the man, first of all, the very first thing out of their mouths is what? Look at us. Look at us. See, eye contact has not been a part of this guy's deal, right? The shame has caused his head down just simply asking for alms. But Peter and John come and the very first thing they say to him is, look at us, right? Like, let's, let's make eye contact. Because in looking at us, we're, we're going to eliminate the you're poor and I'm rich barrier. We're going to put ourselves on the same place. Like, we're going to have a conversation here. Like, you, Mr. Lame Man, are just as important as me, Peter. Look at us. We are equals. I hope you see and can agree that, that this man was with very little hope in a very broken life. And yet, yet, what does God provide for this man? Well, What he provides for him is the very thing that he forgot that he needed. Because all he was looking for, right, was silver and gold. He was just looking for money so that he could have a small portion of that in order to live on. But what God is going to do for him, as we've finished the story, is give something to him that he'd forgotten that he even needed. And that was the ability to walk. So here comes Peter and John on their way to prayer meeting in the temple. They notice the man at the gate asking for alms. They say to him, listen, what you're asking for, I don't have. But what I have, I give to you. And then he reaches out his hand, Peter does, and says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, stop right there for just a second. We've read this story. You've seen the flannel graphs in Sunday school. You, you remember the story from other people. But can, can you just stop? Can you freeze frame that for a second and think what's going through the lame man's mind? Like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, did, did I hear you right? L- listen, uh, some people have done some cruel things to me but this has got to be one of the cruelest things in the world. There's no way I'm going to walk, dude. What's going through his mind? I, I, I don't know. We're not told in the text. But we, we do know this. At some point, that right hand that's expressed or that's reached out by Peter, he takes hold of. And somewhere, <laughs> somewhere between taking that hand and beginning to stand, he feels strength to his feet and ankles. And so by the time that he's actually on his feet, it says He leaps. I don't know about you, but if I'm that lame man, I'm thinking, I'm just going to take a baby step first, right? But he, what? He leaps. This is why you pay me so much money. Do you you know what leap is in the Greek? It's leap, right? There's no spiritual significance to that. Listen, what he does is not take a baby step. He jumps to his feet, 40 years as a lame man. And he's now walking and leaping and praising God. So what is the message to the broken that Luke is sharing in this story? Here it is. You ready? The message to the broken is there is always, hear the word always, there is always hope for the broken. There is always hope in the power of God. Listen, there may be long seasons of suffering. There may be long seasons of questioning. This man, 40 years, could not walk. Secondly, it's not always going to be getting what you want. I I know that's a radical thought this morning, but God doesn't always give us what we ask for. There's a very good reason for that: is because He's God and we're not. And so we don't always get what we want, but listen, a sovereign God who rules over all things gives us the very things that we need. I've learned so much from other people who have walked through long seasons of suffering to that end. One of those is a lady you may remember in no uh, jo- Johnny Erickson Tata uh, Johnny Erickson Tata if you don't know is a young woman dove into a shallow pond uh, didn't know how shallow it was and came out a quadriplegic and she's been a quadriplegic for the rest of her life she's also now uh, as a uh, more mature believer in the work and journey that she is on has been a cancer survivor as well and, and Johnny Erickson Tata has never given up praying for her healing but in praying for her healing, she has learned that what God has desired to do is to use her as an instrument in His hand to those who are suffering. So she has gone on in her suffering in order that she might be used by God in the lives of other suffering people. We don't always get what we want, but we get what we need and the very intentions that God has for us. There's always hope in the power of God. There may be long seasons of questioning, of suffering, of brokenness. Uh, It's not always going to be getting what you want. And listen, thirdly, you may need to act in faith to take a hand. To take a risk. To believe what seems unbelievable in order to recognize His power. Right? You, You see the picture of the lame man? He says, listen, grab hold of my hand, get up and Walk. That lame man had to trust in that hand outstretched. Sometimes we have to trust in the things that we don't think are possible. We have to believe in the things that we can't see. And and we indeed must reach out and take the hand of God that we might be shown the power of God. Maybe long seasons of questioning It's not always going to be getting what you want. You may need to act in faith to take the hand, but there is, listen, always hope in the power of God. Consider Jesus. I love that Peter here says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Did you see that? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Why doesn't Peter say, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of heaven and earth? I I like that one, right? Well, Why doesn't he say, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Why doesn't he say, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the healer, the redeemer of all things, right? Why doesn't he go there? He goes, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, we have to ask ourselves, what do we know about Nazareth? Well, If you look through the pages of Scripture, you learn that nothing good comes from Nazareth, right? People questioned the ministry of Jesus because he was raised in Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. And where was Jesus raised? He was raised in Nazareth. And who was Jesus? Oh, he's just the guy that died for our sins and rose again from the dead. Jesus' brokenness was his geography. (laughs) His brokenness is that he left heaven to come to earth. His brokenness is that he was raised in Nazareth. But Peter says here, listen, in the name of Jesus, who knows what it is to be broken, be healed. Be healed. Consider Peter. Uh, once again, let me ask you what was Peter doing just months before this miracle? I'll tell you what he's doing. He was denying that he knew Jesus. Not once, not twice, not three times. And for those of you that loved it before, I'll do it again. Cock a doo, right? Imagine the spiritual brokenness, the emotional brokenness of Peter, not just, but months before this moment in which Jesus is going to be crucified, and Peter is asked, do you know him? No, I don't know him. You're one of him. No, I'm not. I know you're one of him. No! cock doo 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 Right? And, and the reality of the spiritual brokenness of that point, and hearing the rooster's crow, of having the gaze of Jesus meet yours in the midst of three times denying that you knew him or were... Part of him. That's brokenness. And yet here he is, restored, empowered. Why? Because there's always hope in the power of God. Consider your salvation this morning, Christian. Once was lost, now you're found. Once was blind, now you see. Once was left to your own abilities to try to overcome your brokenness of sin, but then you realize that Jesus died for it? You were once lost in shame and now you recognize that you are a child of the living God. There is power. There is hope in the power of God. This is stuff that should cause us to what? I don't know. Walk and lead and praise God. I so badly wanted to preach the sermon before we brought the new members in so those kids could walk and leap to their seats, right? Because the reality of salvation in our lives is the reality of this good news that though where we were bound in sin, we are free to live life. And I hope it is the inspiration this morning for you to trust Jesus in your place of brokenness. To trust Jesus in the place where you are lame. Maybe the place of your own shame. The place where you have given up. Or maybe the place that you have given in. Listen, why does Luke write this story into the annals of Acts? Because it shouts to all who would read it, even to us today, that there is always hope in the power of God. Luke says, God says to us, if you're feeling lame, if you're feeling broken, seize this day to be healed. Trust in Him. He writes to us who are lame, but second point this morning is He writes to us who are learning. He he writes to the broken, but He also writes to the church guy or lady this morning ironically as much as luke wants to communicate to the lame that there is always hope in the power of god he also wants to communicate to the learner the church guy the very same thing that there's always hope in the power of god but listen to the learner he is not saying so that you might receive it to the learner he's saying there is always hope in the power of god so that you might share it oh christian hear this this day The answer for the broken is the power of God. The witness of the learner, of the Christian, is sharing the power of God. Check this out. Peter and John are on their way to the 3 o'clock prayer meeting, and for some reason, a lame guy whom they have likely seen before catches their attention, and they are forced with a choice. Another freeze frame for you. Like, stop right there. What can they do? Eh, my guess is they had some change. Throw it in the basket, keep on going, because we've got to get to prayer meeting. Right? Uh, It it, it may have been that they would even be challenged to say, man, I've seen this guy a thousand times. We've got to get to prayer meeting. It, It may be, even at the very best, the reality that they would recognize that they're now a part of a community Uh, who loves to learn together and loves to love together and loves to worship together. And so maybe we pick this guy up and take him back, right? We can help this guy. Those are all the options. But for some reason, they say, hey, look. Look at us. What are they going to do? What would you do? Peter gets his attention and he overcomes the shame barrier. Eye contact means be my equal. And he says, silver and gold I do not have. And then get this. He says, but what I do have, I give to you. We have to ask ourselves a really important question this morning. What does Peter have? I, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have, I'm going to... Give to you. The first thing to our mind is that he possesses the power of God to heal, right? That's pretty cool. I, I really don't know how much Peter understood that, if he knew that this was what God was going to do. But it, it is true, Peter had the power of God to heal people. But consider what else he had. He had the mercy to stop and talk to this lame man. He had the grace to make this man his equal. Look at me. He had the compassion for brokenness. He had truth about Jesus as one who came from nowhere to be someone. He had a story of transformation himself, a man in denial to a man of power. And maybe most of all, Peter had hope. He believed God was going to do something in that moment. And so, he says with confidence, What I have! Mercy, grace, love, compassion, truth, power. What I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. Peter throws out his hand to help a man who hasn't stood or walked in 40 years to his feet. Here's the question, maybe the challenge to us as learners this morning. What do you know that you have? What do you know that you have for the broken? Well, uh, the scriptures scriptures tell us that if we have truly been touched by the Spirit of God to be believers in Jesus, we should have some low-hanging fruit in our lives, right? Like, Galatians 6 tells us that we we have love. So, maybe this is a lesson to some of you, but if you are here today, uh, as a believer, you're not sure what you have? I'm so glad you came because I can tell you, you have love. Because as the Spirit of God has awakened you to the reality of Christ, the low hanging fruit is that you have love. You have joy. You have peace. You have patience. You have kindness. You have goodness. You have faithfulness. You have gentleness. You have self control. You say, how do you know that? Because Galatians 6 tells me. That's what I have. It's called the fruit of the Spirit who has saved me. me. What do you have? You have all those things. You have your own story of transformation of how it is that God has saved you. You've been given mercy, released from the punishment of your sin. You've been given grace, and knowing the joy of being God's child when we have deserved nothing. You've been given faith, a belief in God for things that we cannot even see. You've been given hope, not only of a heaven eternally, but a heaven on earth. We have been given an adoption into the family of Almighty God. I could go on, right? What do you have? My goodness, look at what you have. How dare us think that we have nothing to give to this broken world to a culture who sits in fear of a virus to a divided world to an angry world how dare us read this text and have uh, what I call healing envy oh only if I could touch someone and he'd be healed that'd be good listen you can it may not be the lame walking but it is the broken restored It is the lost, saved. It is the shame-ridden, freed from guilt. You, you have that. What do you have? You have that. Are you giving it away? You know, the church today, some Christians, sometimes you're pastor. And maybe you can do some self evaluation suffer from what I call spiritual obesity. We know what we have. I know that I've been given grace. I've been given mercy. I know that I'm loved. And then we go to Bible studies to learn that more of what I know that I have. I know that I'm loved. I know that I have peace. I know that I have joy. I know that I have Jesus. I know that I've been transformed. And then you go to another Bible study to discover what you have. And pretty soon, you're like Violet in Willy Wonka. (laughs) Right? You know what you have. But because you haven't given it anyway, you're about to burst. And the Oompa Loompas are going to have to come roll you away. We, We laugh because we know it's true. We keep getting, but we've not given. We sometimes wrongly feel that our our spirituality is in what we know. When God has made it abundantly clear that our spirituality is in our Christ-likeness, not our Christ-knownness. Peter says, What I have to this lame man, I give to you. How did Peter know that he had the power of God to heal? I'll tell you how he knew. He used it. He gave it away. I watched this week several dramatic interpretations of this encounter, right? So you go to YouTube and you can watch all kinds of reenactments of what this is like. I'm a visual guy. Sometimes that helps me to think. One that I found interesting was there was one and they they did a quick shot of john's face right after peter puts his hand out and says in the name of jesus Natharus rise and walk and they do this quick glance at john and he's looking like oh my gosh peter like there's people around what if this doesn't work right what if this like what if he doesn't get up and walk what's that going to say and, and john's face is just like and so like oh my like this is really it like this is the moment right And and, and so then, obviously, the guy grabs it and he leaps up and he starts leaping and praising God. And in this reenactment, Peter and John are all leaping and praising God. One, because the lame man realizes that he's now free and that he can walk. And Peter and John are going, oh, that worked! That's cool! Do you know that's the economy of God? He gives that we might give it away. 1 John 4 says in like five different ways. You want to know that God loves you? Then love somebody else. Because in loving someone else, you will understand the reality of the depth of the love that God has for you. It's this cool mechanism given to us that the more we give away the things that God has given us, the more we know the things that God has given us. Sometimes... Listen, sometimes that will be with intentionality. Like Peter, we have to make a decision to share that which God has given us. Listen, forgiving someone who has hurt you Hmm. takes intentionality. You've got to pray hard, you've got to think hard, you've got to dig deep and, and, and to begin to forgive someone who's hurt you, it takes intentionality. But listen, the more we understand the forgiveness of God, the more driven we will be to forgive. And then catch this, I've lived this. When we take the intentionality to forgive, the more that we're going to understand the forgiveness of God. sometimes our giving is with intentionality and much prayer but sometimes and i love these moments we just leak the things that god has given us i'm calling you today to be leaky christians i think this is really our goal i I remember when we were uh, in in seminary back in the stone ages we were around a a lot of uh, international folks right Uh, from all parts of the world and at honest moments once you got to know them there would be a chuckle or two over an honest conversation that people smell like the things they eat. I won't pick on any other ethnicity other than my own. They said Americans smelled like rotten milk because we ate so much dairy. Listen, I I can't wait to the moment in my maturity in which I smell the aroma of Christlikeness. that what I have becomes the very thing that I leak through my pores. That because God has been gracious to me, I won't have to intentionally pray fast and go, oh, I've got to do this with intentionality. I just do it. That the more I understand the reality of the love of God, the way I'll be able to love, the way I'll be able to show mercy is to be know that I'm filled with mercy. To be forgiving. To show joy is because I've been given the joy of Christ. To be peaceful because I know that He has taken care of the greatest divide in my life between heaven and hell. How I yearn for the day which I just leak what God has given me. That it just naturally flows from my, from your pores. This happens, ladies and gentlemen, when we know what we have. And surrender to living a life that gives it away. Peter says, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you. Luke, in this passage, writes to the lame, there is always hope in the power of God. Today, receive it. But Luke writes to the learner as well, there is always hope in the power of God. Today, Christian, let's share it. Let's give it away. To the Gentiles of the first century and to us today, the Spirit of God says, listen, seize the day. Seize this day to receive and to give away all that God has for us. Let's, people of Covenant Church, today at home or here in the sanctuary, let's seize this day. Let's seize this day to receive as broken people, healing. Let's seize this day, this moment, to commit ourselves that what we have we will give away. That we all might walk and leap and praise God together. Let's pray. God, I would just pray even in this moment that your will be done in this place right now that we would seize this day as it is in heaven. God, I'm just... Aware that there are people here, people listening, that haven't gotten past being the lame man. It might not be physical brokenness, but it's emotional brokenness. Maybe spiritual brokenness. A place of shame, a place of sin. God, would you in these moments uh, reveal to them, to me, to us, as you revealed to the lame man sitting at the gate beautiful that you are one who desires to heal, to make right, to make whole. And I'm wondering if you are that uh, broken person here today or listening in, that either in your mind's eye or maybe even physically, that you would reach up to take that hand that Jesus offers, that you might stand, that you might leap, that you might praise because of healing in your life. God, I pray as well for us who've experienced that place, that time, that moment, and would pray against our own spiritual obesity, our Christ-knownness, that we might walk more in Christ-likeness. That we would know the things that we have as being children of the living God, and that we might give them away. That we would make a commitment this morning that our prayer would be that you would take our lives and let them be consecrated, given. Spiritual worship, spiritual sacrifice to you for your glory. That we would say, here, here am I. Take my life. All of me. For your glory. that whether it's the uh, broken man along the street or whether it's someone that we love or whether it's someone that we just happen to run into this afternoon, we would be ready to say, it may, it may not be silver or gold that I can give you, but all that I have in Jesus Christ, I give to you. May that be that Covenant Church, that your church, that we as your people might seize this day. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.